Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. Uh, we're doing a hoops pod tonight, as you could probably guess. So joining me, Chad Markulix. Chad, hello. How's it going? And Eric Gibson. Eric, how you doing? Doing all right. We do not have Dan Smith here because we want to try and get some good juju going, and we figured maybe getting Dan off the podcast would be uh, the way to do that. And we need Penn State to have a little bit of good juju because wasn't the best week uh, for Nittany Lion basketball. The last time we spoke, Penn State had just come off of the high of running Ohio State out of the gym and then competing and being right there until the bitter end against Purdue. It looked like this was a Penn State team that, I don't want to put it this simplistically, but if they were able to beat one of Michigan or Nebraska, it was very easy to see them making the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, what ended up happening was early on in the game against Michigan, uh, Mike Watkins suffered a leg injury, barely played in that one, didn't play at all against Nebraska, and we're certainly not saying that just Mike, actually we'll have Eric talk about this in a second, but we're cert- I'm, I'm not saying that just Mike was the reason that Penn State lost by 9 to Michigan and uh, 12 to Nebraska, 72-63 to the Wolverines, 76-64 to to the Huskers. Uh, Eric, a bit of a struggling to get to the finish line for Penn State. What happened over the last two games, and was it really as simple as Mike Watkins didn't play? Um, well, obviously, the Watkins injury definitely changed everything, kind of the moment it happened, and it happened so early in that Michigan game that, um, you know, it, it was definitely deflating. I mean, mostly because you know that there's nobody behind him. Um, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the backups, you know, here shortly. But at the same time, though, Michigan's playing really well. Um, so even if Mike played that whole game, I'm not sure if Penn State wins. Um, they didn't look too good. Michigan was locked in defensively. That's the best defensive team Michigan has ever had, John Beeline's ever had. I was really impressed by that. Um, and, and here we are again in late in the season, and John Beeline's team is is uh, clicking on all cylinders. Um, so... So yeah, it, th- that game was uh, certainly uh, certainly a bummer, just because you know the hype leading up to that game. You know, the, the Ohio State game was incredible. They had a huge crowd. It was Senior Night, um, and they kind of just got taken to task. I mean, Penn State was in that game, but it never really felt like they were in that game. I don't know how you guys felt about it. Um, you know, I guess again, part of that is definitely because Watkins not being out there, but I don't think you can place it all on him. Yeah, I mean. Chad, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts, but just as someone who was there and at the game, I I think Michigan deserves a ton of credit because whenever Penn State looked like it was about to do the thing or two that it needed to do to get over the hump and uh, I don't want to say start pulling away in that game, but get the lead, start getting settling, getting into a groove, uh, whether it was Mo Wagner, whether it was Duncan Robinson, uh, whomever it might have been, Michigan came back and answered, and ultimately, whenever Penn State would throw its big punch, it always seemed like Michigan had an answer for it. Yeah, Penn State kind of made that run at the beginning of the second half to take the lead there, and I thought it seemed like, well, maybe they, they can turn it around without Watkins, but... Um, you know, like Eric said, even even with Watkins, I mean, they were they were just hitting so many outside shots, and and Mo Wagner was uh, four or five from three that game. Um, you know, we've seen Mike have struggles against uh, stretch fives all year, or whenever he's played a, a really good five who can step out and shoot like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Like, you know, maybe having Mike would have made a difference, but I think even so, is the way Michigan shot and defended the whole game. Um, they did a pretty good job on Tony. He's only four of ten from the field. Um, and they really just kind of shut everybody else down. Um, Shep was Shep had a disappointing senior night, unfortunately. Uh, one of five from three hit a, an early three, and that was about it. Um, so yeah, and and it's just a just a tough one because they definitely had momentum coming into this game, and uh, well, at least some momentum at home. Like you know, they've been playing really well. They did that Purdue loss was you know pretty close, and seemed like they still played a really good game. But yeah, it just kind of fell apart after a really good stretch there. Yeah, and uh, again, saying this is someone, I, I was on press row for this one, Penn State was able to get the crowd into the game, and I, it, 
it, it was awesome just seeing that. And this is something that we've talked about on this pod before, how we think that this Penn State team is one that it has a bunch of dudes who in high school, in AAU, whatever it might be, have played in those kinds of games, played in those really big high stakes games uh, where you have to get your crowd into it to give yourself an edge. And I thought, especially Lamar Stevens, uh, you know, had, and he was Penn State's top scorer of the night, nine for 19, did have 19 points, eight rebounds. Uh, I believe he had a block, uh, he had a dunk in transition, might have been something like that to, again, really ignite the crowd and get the crowd going. The thing was, again, it, it was just, it's a testament to Michigan, it's a testament to John Beeline, how they always seem to be one of those teams that's really, really good at, being able to stem this tide and keep their composure. And it really was maddening. It, there was nothing Lamar Stevens could have done about this, but there were, it seemed like there were just so many threes or jumpers, whatever it was, where uh, Penn State's best lineup was Lamar Stevens playing center, which meant he had to guard Mo Wagner. And there was just nothing he could do when the 6'11 Mo Wagner with his high release point on his jumper was just throwing up threes over him. Like it always seemed like that was the thing that was happening. And Hey, like again, credit to Michigan because they came in, they played their game and they were able to win this one. Uh, in far less happy news, uh, Penn state had one more game after this. It required going to Lincoln and Eric, I don't know what they put in the water at Lincoln, but the thing that seems to sap every basketball player of their ability or make them like 15% worse at everything, it's not cool and I really don't like it and I hope Penn State never has to go play at Nebraska again. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that's just more of just what's happened at you know the, each specific oh, yeah. year. Usually they've had better teams and that's that kind of thing. Um, this game was, uh, I mean... The first possession was Isaac Copeland just dunking on Julian Moore. And at that point, it was like, oh, so this is how this is going to go. And well, Nebraska, never, Nebraska did not stop. Um, and, you know, like I said, we we're going to talk about the backup bigs. That was pretty discouraging from um, all three guys. So, you know, without Watkins, they came in. They do have bodies. They got Julian. They got Satchel Pierce and uh, John Hara. And... Um, you know, you would think between the three of them, they could get at least enough production to stay in the game, you know, be competitive. Uh, but it was clear that Penn State had no answers without Watkins, and it was clear that Tim Miles just told his team to attack the basket with uh, reckless abandon, and they did, and they were successful. Um, and that was a painful game to watch just because you, you really, you know, Penn State was never really in it. The body language was terrible. Um, you know, it didn't help that they were playing a really juiced up crowd that, they, you know, Nebraska's having a great season. They're pushing for the tournament. This was a huge game for them. Going for the um, first ever undefeated home conference slate or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What, I'm sure that that's historic for their program for sure. And that's great. Like credit to Miles, whatever. Um, but this was a game Penn State was never in. You know, we talk, we've talked about how competitive Penn State's been all year. They've been in every single game. They were not in this game. Um, and that first half was pretty brutal. They came out in the second half and, you know, with the press. Well, actually, I mean, after how disastrous the first half went, um, you know, I think Chambers pretty much benched all three bigs. Um, I don't think any of them. Julian might have got a couple of minutes in the second half, but they pretty much played straight small ball the whole time just because that's how poorly the bigs played in the first half. Um, so they put, they came out in the second half and they were at least able to get some steals and stuff, but it was at that point where they were already kind of like out of it. Um, they didn't really have a spark and, and, you know, they weren't able to take advantage of those turnovers and finish with, with points on the other end. So they never really mounted a comeback. I'm pretty sure. I mean, honestly, did they ever cut it within 10 points? I think they um, might've cut it to like nine maybe, but no, the biggest deficit was 12 points. It was 12. Yeah. yeah. I knew it was something like close like that, but yeah, wire to wire for Nebraska. Yeah, it was and it was frustrating because they came out in the second half. Like I said, they got all those steals, and I felt like they got like five steals within the first five minutes of the second half, and they just they didn't take advantage. Like they they did that. The press was working. They were rattling. You know, they were making Nebraska look a little shaky, but they just weren't making any up. They weren't making up any ground on the scoreboard because they weren't able to finish uh, 
buckets. So all around, it was a terrible performance. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know how um, how you want to interpret it without Watkins. Clearly, you know, because the other thing is like Watkins has dominated Nebraska the last two times he's played. Right. Um, if you remember the Big Ten tournament game last year, where he was almost had a triple double with like eight blocks, um, and then the game earlier this year, he, I think he had like seventeen and seventeen or something, or was that I don't know. Either way, he he was he had a double double and was a beast. So, um, pretty much watching one player not play and watching how dramatically it switched the strategies for both teams, um. It's pretty evident that uh, Penn State has no depth, which we kind of knew, but um, that was totally confirmed on Sunday in, in Lincoln. Yeah, it was uh, very fun to watch, and it was actually very cool watching Nebraska uh, repeatedly attack the rim and just get basically whatever they wanted uh, over the course of the entire game. And, and it was also really cool watching after every single thing that happened, watching Nebraska's bench do something. I mean, that was... That was just a joy, and I wasn't getting very angry, uh, even though that's something I normally love. Uh, yeah, Chad, I mean, th- kind of going off of, you know, Eric's talking about, uh, er- Eric mentioned, you know, Mike Watkins wasn't in there, and it seemed like Nebraska's game plan from the opening tip was, hey, Mike Watkins isn't in there. Let's get to the rim. Let's attack the rim. Like, would you say, I mean, that's, that's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, that's always been their game plan against Penn State. I mean, but even before last year's Big Ten tournament game, um, I believe it was the 2015 team or 2016 team. I think that had that set the record for blocks in a game in that Big Ten tournament game against Nebraska. That's always been Tim Miles' mo against Penn State and you know the rest of the league too. But just attack the rim, um, and you know now if there's no shot blocking presence, like you know, no offense to Julian and Satch, but they're not shot blockers at all. They've never been. Um, so you know you can easily get to the rim, and, and they have the, like the they have the guys to, to do it this year now, like James Palmer, Isaac Copeland, um, you know Glenn Watson's kind of been reduced to a bench role, but he had a good game. Isaiah Roby's just a matchup nightmare. Even you know Lamar's kind of his match size wise, and he couldn't do much with him. So um, yeah, just Nebraska combination. Of Nebraska playing well at home and getting Penn State at the right time without Watkins and. Uh, Penn State just not knowing what to do without Watkins because they they just don't have the the depth at center to to match up with most teams, especially a, a decent team like Nebraska. Yeah, and as I'm looking through the box score, Penn State wasn't uh wasn't exactly on fire uh, from the field or for three. I didn't realize that uh, Shep went uh, four for four on twos. That one uh, that's a very pleasant yeah, he, surprise. Yeah, he was, yeah he had a bunch of layups. Bunch of yeah, they, they, yeah. they ran him off the line and didn't really, just didn't want him to beat him from three. Yeah, and seeing as how we went one for four from three, they were uh, they were pretty good in that. I mean, yeah, Josh. Reeves yeah, had he, he had some. No, he had some good looks early. That was yeah. the other thing. So, like, obviously, without Watkins, they needed everybody else to really step up. And and Shep came out and missed a couple of shots early. Um, Josh Reeves couldn't get anything going um, offensively either. Um, so not having those two and then not having Watkins, it turned into the Tony and Lamar show again. Even Lamar was not that great. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty all around terrible performance. I think honestly for me though, I was most disappointed with John Hera. Um, you know, I, I know he hasn't had a lot of playing time. I know he's a freshman. He kind of got thrust in the action. Um, but I thought he looked probably the worst he looked all year in that game. He, He definitely looked like he didn't belong. I mean, he's definitely athletic. But this is a guy that they're really going to have to rely on because he's their only body right now that's going to be able to back up Watkins next year. Because I, I really, I mean, you know, I don't want to speculate here, but I, I think we can all, Satchel Pierce, like, is he coming back next year? I, I, I really am pretty skeptical of that considering how little he's played and how not great he is. And they need to, um, they need to care front one guy, correct? Or, yeah, they're oversigned yeah. too. Yeah, so obviously, you know, some guys are going to be leaving, um, but – as far as Satchel, though, like, you know, they, they he sat out last year. They they gave him a shot early in the season, and he was he quickly lost confidence from the coaching staff and has played – I mean, has he even played, like, 100 minutes this year? I don't even I don't even know. Um, but, but yeah, so, so going back to Hera, though, um, you know, here's a guy that hopefully they're going to need him to be able to play, like, 10, 15 minutes next year. I don't, I don't know – 
right now they don't have anybody. It's not like Mike Watkins can play 40 minutes. Um, so, you know, and things will change because, you know, spring's coming and, you know, who, who knows what the future of this program holds. But, um, you know, there's always the opportunity to get transfers and late commitments and that kind of thing in the spring. But, um, you know, this was kind of like a, a chance for John Hare to at least show that he had that potential and he did not show that in Lincoln. So that was um, discouraging for me. Uh, that was And that was kind of the biggest takeaway from that game because the whole body language of the rest of the team and the fact that they were never in the game, it was kind of – it was easily the worst game of the season. I, I mean, I, I can only be so – disappointed with the performance of a true freshman in a road game when he gets six minutes of time like I I think he's definitely going to get better uh I don't think that uh this game is necessarily one that I'm gonna like I don't think in two years I'm going to look back after John if John Harris care fronted and go well that was the exact moment that I knew he didn't have it like no he he was a true freshman who was asked to give the team six good minutes and he couldn't do it because he's a true freshman who this time last year was going to play college football. Like I'm, but, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I do wish there was a better performance out of him. Uh, I, you know, I just wish Penn state's big man depth chart was a little bit better, but Hey, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing. It's one thing if it's like a true freshman early in the season, but you know, this is, he's gone through a full year of practice, a full year of, um, you know, not that he's seen a lot of time. And honestly, like I said, I'm not, I'm not really trying to pile on John here. Like that one, you're right. One game is not going to make his career. Um, it was just, I, I was just kind of, I just expected a lot better than that. He was, especially defensively was way out of position, pretty much all three or four possessions. He was on the floor for, um, and then he had that, uh, miscommunication with Tony. And that, that, no, that's a, from a lack of chemistry because he's not really out there with Tony Carr a lot, but there was that one play on offense where he tried to run a, the pick and roll game with, with Tony and they turned the ball over and Tony looked at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was, ugh, it was ugly. Yeah. I, I mean, that has a tendency to happen uh, in Lincoln for whatever. Like, I don't know what it is, but I went back and I looked at Penn state so Penn State's last three games in Lincoln have been 82-66 Nebraska, 70-54 Nebraska, and 80-67 Nebraska. And I don't know like why or how Nebraska was able to establish such like, well, no, I probably do know. I mean, they made a financial investment into it. But it's just maddening that that seems to be how it goes down when uh, Penn State plays at Lincoln. But I mean, their only home loss this year was by one point to Kansas, so... I feel like expecting Penn State without Mike Watkins to go in there and pick up a win might have been a little bit too optimistic, but I don't think anyone here was expecting that, so whatever. Uh, Moving on, let's talk about the Big Ten Tournament, because uh, we're in this really cool moment where a week ago we thought uh, Penn State's going to get to the Big Ten Tournament and have to win one game, and winning one game will probably seal their NCAA tournament uh, hopes, or maybe they have to win two games, but it will be against, you know, a team that a hot Penn State team could possibly beat. Well, now Penn State, uh, I think we all agree, if Penn State wants to make the NCAA tournament, they probably have to win the entire thing, and that starts by going to uh, the Thursday night game, one of the Thursday night games, and playing Northwestern. So, uh, Chad, the last time that Penn State played Northwestern uh, (laughs) might have been the low point of the season for this team. Uh, What can we take from... Penn, both Penn State's loss to Northwestern uh, in Evanston and its win against Northwestern in Happy Valley. And uh, assuming Mike Watkins is out, put that towards this game so Penn State could pick up a win. Uh, the first Northwestern game at the BJC was probably their best performance to date um, of the season. Uh, you know, they they were awesome in that game. Shep had six threes. So that was the, that was the game at Northwestern, excuse me. But, I mean... You know they can they can play offense against this West, Northwestern team. They're not like that imposing defensively. I don't think. Um, and it seems like Brian McIntosh and Vic Law are still not 100% healthy. So um, there's an opportunity there to for you know the guards to do some work there on offense. Um, but I don't know with with Mike. I mean, it seems like the, I mean the coaching staff and even Shep Garner today and his press availability was they were kind of coy about his status. So. Um, I don't expect him back, but um, it would be nice to have him against Derek Pardon because that dude is uh, capable of putting up some good performances. Um, I don't know. I mean, these neutral court games, you, you can't really – they can be weird sometimes. Um, Penn State, like, 
they mowed Northwestern at home and then kind of got the, the rug pulled out from underneath them against Northwestern on the road. So um, we'll see. I, I'm just not I'm not confident at all without Mike there because he's just so important to what they do defensively. Um, it, he allows them to, to gamble more on the defensive end. It's you know, um, and they don't really have a lot of experience playing without him since the first what two games of the season. So the first game of the year was the last time to play without him. So I'm not confident, and uh, it just takes you know a, a decent shooting performance from, from Northwestern to to really you know get Penn State behind, and then then what do they do? So we'll see. Eric, uh, are you do you share uh, this uh, pessimism that Chad has heading into this one? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Um, I'm not like super confident either, but at the same time, I mean, really, I think I mean we're going to keep it real basic here. I think it's whichever team plays harder is going to win. Um, you know, Northwestern basically quit against. Iowa um, and, and Chad was saying McIntosh busted his shoulder a couple weeks ago and he has been playing, but um, apparently it's been really painful for him. Um, so was that, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, are you guys watching the Sixers game? They, yeah, they, <laughs> I'm not, but they just ran hack of Ben Simmons in a Miami did hack of Ben Simmons with in a tied game. Uh, correct. Yeah, what? Well, what? Yeah, basically Miami's making this comeback, and the Sixers are going to lose another one. But um, anyway, uh, I just thought it was uh, De- Deion Waiters, which I was going to laugh if a Philly oh, no, guy. He's out for the year. But it was it was. Oh, is he? I, yeah. That shows you how much I pay attention to the NBA. But I got uh, you. that was Dwayne Wade. So anyway, um, so we were talking about Northwestern. So, <laughs> but Chad's right there. The Derek Pardon is definitely a formidable. Bit. Formidable big, um, and after seeing Penn State's backups against N- Nebraska and letting Jordy Shimanga murder them, I mean, Pardon can absolutely dominate them too. So, um, you know, we'll see. You know, but with McIntosh being banged up and Vic Law hasn't played the last two games, I don't know what his availability is going to be for Thursday. Um, those are two of their, their better players. Um, Penn State should definitely have the advantage. You know, Lamar Stevens kind of went off on them at, in State College. Um, so he, hopefully he has some confidence going into this game. You know, this is Shep's kind of last go around. They know what's um, on the table. They need to, like you were saying, Bill, they need to win the tournament to uh, get into the NCAA tournament if they if they want to. Now, obviously they want to, but that's going to be a super tall task without uh, um, walking. So it's just kind of a one game at a time here. But I do think that they'll come out, play hard, and, and beat Northwestern. Um, but at the same time, though, I can see Pardon. Putting in, putting in work and causing problems. So we'll see how that goes. But um, uh, they definitely <laughs> – I don't want to know what happens if they do lose that game considering where this team was 10 days ago for them to kind of crash land like this. That would be pretty disheartening. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Northwestern hasn't won a game since February 6th. They really ended the season uh, on a low note losing to Maryland Rutgers. Uh, Michigan State, Maryland, again, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I didn't realize that they went to the finish line like that. So uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, the, the big wild card, I, I mean, I hate to, you know, go sound like Mr. Hobbyist, but the big wild card is, you know, how are they going to play without Mike, assuming he's not going to be able to make it? Like, I, I, I'm going to operate under the assumption that, uh, uh, James Franklin just had a very long talk with uh, with Pat Chambers about uh, how you talk about injuries in press availabilities, so you always play it coy and close to the chest so your opponent doesn't get any additional information. But, you know, if he plays, like, I, I'm very confident in that situation. I, we have no intel to suggest that he's going to play outside of uh, trying to hopefully read some tea leaves from uh, meeting with the media today, but listen, it, it, if he plays, hell yeah. I mean, let's go. Let's, he's let's, not playing. Yeah, I know. Since he's not playing though, we're going to have to rely on, uh, Julian Moore and, uh, Satchel Pierce and Ugh. John Harar and Lamar Stevens <laughs> to stop the, Derek. How Herman. many podcast series this where we have to correct you on John Hara? John Hara. Come I'm on, gonna, man. I'm going to keep saying hurrah. I'm going to keep doing they, it. On broadcast, they say it. I've heard hurrah on broadcast. They, yeah, they've screwed no. it up so many times. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Triggering the libs by saying his last name wrong. I'm just going to keep doing it's... this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, our my, our friend uh, Ben from Mid-Major Madness wanted me to give a bunch of notes at this point, but I don't remember any of them. 
So let's just pretend that Penn State wins this game. Uh, we'll pretend that Bryant McIntosh and Scotty Lindsay are both ruled ineligible because they've been in college since 1977. Uh, and then Penn... <laughs> This is a sentence that I would have been pretty stoked to say a few days ago, but then Mike Watkins got hurt, so Penn State having to play an Ohio State team that would come into that game really pissed off uh, and not wanting to get go 0-3 against Penn State the entire season. I, without With Mike, I would not feel especially confident in that game, uh, regardless of what Penn State had done, but without Mike, ugh, yeah, no, no I, I can't. Even in my most homer of mindset, I can't bring myself to a point where I think a Penn State team uh, without Mike Watkins, Eric, c- could take down Ohio State on a neutral court in the quarterfinal of the Big Ten tournament. Are you saying you're saying you don't think Penn State could beat Ohio State? Is that what you're saying? Without Mike, correct. I mean, honestly, Mike didn't really have much of an impact in both of those Ohio State games, at least for me. I mean, Caleb Wesson kind of was taking it to him in the first matchup, and I think he got um, in foul trouble, maybe? I don't know. I'm going to look up the box yeah. score of that. He said seven, Ohio State. one foul, seven points in the second game, but they were behind. They had to, they had to shoot some threes at the end of that game. Um, Mike had yeah, he just – basically, game, I just – I don't think Mike really contributed a lot in both of those wins. So, I mean, obviously him being out there, like we were saying earlier, teams definitely play differently when he's not out there because there's just such a drop-off um, when you come to the Penn State's bench guys. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to get too far ahead because, like I said, um, you know, <laughs> all this could be for nothing if they uh, – crap the bet against Northwestern. I think what they really need to do is they need Josh Reese to um, kind of come back. I feel like he's been MIA. And I know I, I say that after he just had seven steals against Nebraska, but, you know, because that game was going so poorly and because they didn't even take advantage of those seven steals, um, you know, he, he really has kind of just disappeared um, and, and has taken a backseat. I, I just pulled up his game log. Um, and during Penn State's four-game winning streak, he had over 20% usage rates um, and, and scored in double digits in the last three ga- their last three losses. He's had under 15% usage rates and hasn't scored more than eight points, um, which I think does kind of speak to – I don't want to say he's invisible out there because, I mean, he's freaking Josh Rees, but you usually when you're watching Penn State play, you notice Josh Rees kind of right away. Um, didn't really notice in the last three games, so – Hopefully he rebounds and has a good tournament. Um, hopefully Shep Garner goes in there and can make some shots. Um, they need those two guys to to pick it up um, to help Tony and Lamar uh, carry the offense and uh, try to have some success there and make a little run. Chad, your thoughts? Um, I I don't know. It's it, these third games are always tough. Like I remember. Uh, well, I don't know. Did we ever big? Be- Play a team twice and beat him, and then play him three t- uh, third time in the tournament, and yeah, like a out. Northwestern, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, so, but not, kind of not different animal here. Yeah, different animal here. Um, yeah, we made a know. good basketball team, right? Yeah, yeah. Ohio State's got uh, something to play for yet. I mean, Penn State does too, obviously. But I, you know, without Mike, I just he hasn't he hasn't been so integral to those games that we won, but. Still, just just ha- the fact that you have to replace him with somebody who's going to be worse, uh, just by virtue of not being Mike Watkins. Um, yeah, not confident, but uh, hopefully they can keep it close. I guess um, I'm, you know, looking forward too much is is not healthy or fun. So uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's talk about why this this how. Oh, I was going to how much say- I hate. Jen- I was talking about how much say, I hate could, uh, Jim Delaney. For, uh, we, we could talk about Penn State then uh, advancing on to the semifinals to play Purdue in the final no, against Michigan we're not State. Doing that. We're yeah. not doing. Let's talk about Fine. Jim Delaney's comments about how he's like, oh, actually, this is a mistake. We shouldn't have <laughs> a week early. It's like, oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate that. That's very cool of you to just admit that right as the tournament's about to happen. So, yeah, this was a complete disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, well, what, was, what did he say? Didn't he say they're going to get rid of... Was it the December games they're going to end up getting rid of? No, yeah, they're keeping those, I think, because they're going on a 20-game schedule next year. But Which I don't mind. That, that's fine. It's a nice like test in, the, in, the, in December, oh, I guess. They absolutely, but, yo, they absolutely need to go to 20 games. Like I said, the unbalanced scheduling yeah, is yeah, just terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, just 20 next year. So, um, yeah. It, just thanks to Lenny for like, you know, and he said like the coach is getting pushed back. Like, obviously, like why, you know, obviously it's such, a, it's such a money grab. It's so transparently like him trying to pander to this New York market, this mystical New York market with those, you know, like, do you want Rutgers fans really that Is that what you're going for? I don't, I don't freaking know. So, yeah, he just went overboard and, and I'm, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Everyone knew it was dumb as soon as it was announced. I don't know who was receptive within the league to like, like I, I just feel like he had to have gotten a lot of blowback within, you know, league offices and from the coaches when he tried to like propose this idea. But you they know, they have super Saturdays every year too, like in the things in New York where they have like two teams play a hockey game and a basketball game. Like that's like that should be enough for you, like to. Yeah, I mean that's fine. Play. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. I mean I don't particularly care for it, but it does get fans out and it does at least ha- give you a, some kind of a presence but this whole like we need to have the basketball tournament there um it's especially bullshit. when you're not going to get kicked out for, you're not going to kick the big yeast out um i think their deals through like 2026 or something so yeah it's it's dumb you know and they're and the big Ten's getting all sorts of crap for it um and honestly i think it, it contributed a lot to how terrible this league has been this year um you know, we've talked about how terrible the, the RPI profiles of so many teams in the Big Ten are because their schedules were so bad. Um, and a lot of that's because of how condensed the league schedule was. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, hopefully we never have to deal with this ever again. Hopefully Jim Delaney's not lying to us when he said this week that they're not doing it again. Right. Well, um, it's, going, it's going back to Indy Chicago the next four years, I think, just to swap between those four, thankfully. Yeah, well, that's good. And is yeah. there any indication that they're done with Madison Square Garden for this, or is it one of those things where they're like, hey, we're going to revisit? I don't think they have anything signed for MSG again. Um, I, he was talking about, like, I think you mentioned Philly or something at one point. Um, DC was cool, I guess, like, if there's nothing else going on there, like, that's, I don't mind. It's just as long as it's not, like, a week early. It's so ridiculous that yeah, that's Big Ten yeah, teams have to wait a week. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of people are going to be upset about the location. Obviously, the Midwestern folks. Um, I don't really care about that. I enjoy. I went to the Big Ten tournament last year in Washington. I had a great time. Yeah. Um, and oh, there was a fun. lot of a lot of Big Ten fans from all across. You know, all schools were represented there. So that's always kind of a fun experience to talk to other conference fans and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the, the whole screw up with this is just how stupid it was to move the season up a week. Um, and have all those one-day preps for some people. I think I saw Richard Pitino complaining today because his team had four or five one-day preps, which is a lot more than anybody else in the Big Ten. Which honestly, I didn't know. But if that if that's really if he's not lying, then that's that's freaking ridiculous. Like that's crazy for that for the schedules to be that unbalanced and that kind of ridiculous. It's just it obviously dilutes the competition level and and that kind of thing. It just I don't know. It was it was a nightmare. I'm glad it's over. Um, hopefully, we can just and this Big Ten tournament here in this week, and then just never talk about this ever again. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that when you probably have someone bring it to you, like in theory, hey, let's play the conference tournament at, in New York City, Madison Square Garden. It sounds like a good idea until you think about it for two seconds and you realize why it's not the best idea. And I, I mean, I'm happy because it gives me an opportunity to go to it. So, I mean, like, that's cool. But... Other than that, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be a reason for holding it. If New York City had, and this isn't like meant to be shade towards Rutgers, even though it absolutely is, like if New York City had a massive college basketball team, then it makes sense. But like the biggest college fandoms in the New York, New Jersey area are Penn State, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Syracuse, Notre Dame, schools like that. Like, there is no good reason to hold this tournament there. And like you said, I'm glad that they're moving it back to places like Indianapolis and Chicago, places that are quote-unquote Big Ten country. They're going to fix up the scheduling a little bit. Uh, hopefully next year we're... Uh, when we do this exact episode of the podcast, we don't have to spend too much time talking about the Big Ten tournament through the perspective of, hey, Penn State, if it wants to make a magical run to the final, that would be really, really cool. Uh, but instead, we're doing it from the perspective of, 
hey, you know what? Penn State can win this thing. Or, you know what? Even if Penn State only makes it to the quarters or the semis, they don't have to worry because they're gonna, that's not going to be the last basketball game they play this year. Of course, I don't think, I'm not convinced that this, whether they lose to Northwestern or Ohio State or someone after that, I'm not convinced that Penn State season is over yet. Um, I am of the belief that I think they can still make the NIT. I think they still have a pretty good case for the NIT. Um, yeah, they're pretty much in the NIT. Pretty much in the NIT. All right, well, I'm pulling up uh, NYC Buckets right now and their bracketology. They have Penn State as a three-seed. Penn State uh, right is now. too good for the NIT. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I flat out asked Templon because <laughs> I was like, yeah, did they, you know, because I, I was wondering if um, – if they lost Northwestern, how how bad would their resume look after losing three in a row and kind of falling off a cliff here? But yeah, he, he thinks they're they're in. Well, um, part of it with the NIT is they want to be able to like sell tickets and get people to games since the games are played on campuses, correct? I I, I don't think that's really something that goes <laughs> goes into the selection process. Um, well, I'm just saying if that's the case, they should not pick Penn State. But continue. Well, no, okay. Well, in that situation, if, if you're if you're saying you want them to uh, sell tickets or whatever, then you just don't give them a home game. You make them a lower seed, eight seed Penn State. I like it. I mean, they're they're not going to be an eight seed, but yeah, no, it's whatever. Yeah, no. Well, NIT. I mean, if we want to talk about it, with the the news Happily. today, which um, I'm kind of this, this actually kind of makes the NIT kind of cool, um, just because of the rule changes that they're going to be experimenting with. Sorry, um, it was always cool. Okay. What? It was always cool. What, we, the NIT. Eric, we're the Penn State yeah, basketball podcast. Yeah, back in like the 50s. No, no, we're the Penn State basketball podcast. This is very It's hard, it's hard to get into now. It's not, well, not hard, but like, you know, it's not as easy as it used to be. Like, right. How many Penn State teams finished like under 500 and got in back and, in the day? Uh, the, honestly, the NIT is fine. It's just yeah. dealing with it that. It has whole, a reputation. I mean, well, yeah, but at the same time, um, it's just the disappointment of not making the actual tournament. Three um, weeks of can't spell nit can't spell nittany without nit uh, jokes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Love those. I so will, yeah, we'll we'll just we'll have so to like wallow. Quick, if you are listening to this podcast, I promise that when Penn State is announced as an nit team, the tweet from Roar Lions Roar will be can't spell nittany without nit. Okay, continue. We're tweeting that. No, we're not. Oh, we are tweeting. We are absolutely tweeting that, my friend. That is vetoed. Nope. 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 Absolutely, we can we can fire you, Bill. We, ha- we can get I, the votes. I now that Nick has gone to the big podcast burial ground in the sky, I am the person who records the podcast now. So you well, listen if, if you wanna if you wanna race PSU barstool to get that tweet <laughs> out, you be my guest, brother. <laughs> Hope your fingers are quick. <laughs> you better have that. You better have that type the second the selection show is over. Uh. Yeah, if you if you're listening to this in your Penn State bar, mm-hmm. just like, yeah. no. But I mean, honestly, though, the NIT, the, the whole thing with the NIT is like you, you you hate it for like a week, but if you can get through that week and you start making a run, I mean, obviously, you know, I was a student when we won the NIT championship game, and honestly, that was a heck of a fun time. Um, that whole week going up to New York to uh, watch and beat Notre Dame and then Baylor, um, you know, that was fun. Now, two or three weeks before that was absolutely terrible because they just got snubbed from the tournament and it was just like no one wants to play this stupid nit crap and then once they kind of got past that first game and taylor battle hit that miracle shot then they got rolling and you got to got into it because even that florida game was a lot of fun too they went down to florida and and beat florida so um there's gonna be some good teams in the nit there's gonna be some good competition if mike watkins can play they can definitely win the nit i feel like if it's just it's all about their their attitude um but you know, we'll, we'll talk about more about the NIT and, and the program and whether that's acceptable or not, you know, after the Big Ten tournament here. Yeah. Well, Eric, do you want to go through those fun, cool, and hip rule changes? Yeah, so they're moving the three-point line back to FIBA rules, which I don't know what that distance is. I just know it's further back, which is great it's like because that's like a foot back or something like that. I don't know. Well, either way, it's more space because, um, you know, we were talking about this earlier in the Slack today, but like... I never really like thought about, but yeah, the college game it's just the lane is just so packed. So um, they're widening the actual lane, and then um, three point lines get moved back. So hopefully that creates a whole lot of more space. Um, that that should be interesting. They're going to go to four quarters, 
Um, and I'm not entirely sure how that works with fouls. Did you guys did you guys see anything about that? I haven't really like read up on it. The team fouls reset, I think, or yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, because obviously, yeah. since you're not going to have, how do teams well, get into the bonus? I'd, I'd imagine that, it's probably the same way that you know the women's college hoops probably doesn't know. Oh, here we go. I just pulled it up. Teams will shoot two free throws beginning with the fifth foul of each quarter. So okay. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, kind of like that. Now, unfortunately, let's, Penn let's State has def. I was going to say, let's bring Jordan Dickerson back if that's the rule. Yeah, I was going to say, Penn State has definitely committed 5,000 less than 10 minutes. So um, we'll see. I mean, that's cool, though, because I feel like then it, would, it resets the next quarter. You know what I mean? Like I think that's another thing that the college basketball has to fix: the foul thons um, and how quickly some of these teams are getting into the bonus, and how it just completely slows the flow. There's no flow. Oh, nobody wants to watch free throw shooting contests. Players get um, disqualified so easily. The five fouls. You know, you get games where one team, you get games where one team shoots 35 free throws and another team shoots five. Like it's, it's. It can really ruin and ugly up some of the games. So I'm kind of cool to see that happen or, like, see how that works with the new foul bonuses. Um, and then I think the other thing is, like, they're resetting the shot clock. Um, if you get an 20. offensive rebound, the 20 instead of 30 to keep the, the pace up, which that's a very minor change. That doesn't really bother me. I kind of like it just because 30 seconds is a long time. So How the um, hell is the BJC clock going to handle all that? Oh, my God. The oh, B- actually, <laughs> yo, oh, my God. Actually, that's a great point. <laughs> You're, uh, I think – do, do you think that, like, upon hearing that the clock is going to reset like that, there was just, like, um, Sandy called together a massive meeting with, like, the operations managers of the Bryce Jordan Center about having to get you that fixed? Get a task force to get it ready for well, the that, <laughs> that kind of implies that, you know, the athletics owns the building. So I, I don't know how that works. Well, no, but... you could still yell at them to get their stuff together because it's your team playing in it, even if it's not your building. Listen, man, all I know is that that, that arena and its clock screws up every other game and nothing ever gets done about it. And I'd like to think that our athletic department could, you know, figure that out if that was their building. So I, I would argue that's part of the charm of the Bryce Jordan Center. The fact that the most basic function of a basketball arena is unable to be uh, unable to happen because, I don't know, the technology was installed when... It was first built or something like that. It's great. I love it. It's it's fantastic. Uh, Chad's totally right. We're gonna have some if if Penn State hosts an NIT home game, <laughs> the clock is gonna be such a disaster. <laughs> it's gonna be so incredible. <laughs> That's what I'm so, looking forward to the most with the NIT. Uh, this, so let's have like <laughs> just an honest, serious discussion for a sec. Like uh, there's obviously a reputation about Penn State basketball and people going to games. Do people like? Is this the kind of thing that can get people going games? Because I completely agree with you, Eric. If they are able to make it to, uh, if they are able to make it to the to Madison Square Garden, I completely believe that Penn State fans are going to turn out in full force for that. But what happens if you know they play the three six game? You know, the rest of the three six game right now. Let's say they win that, they move on to the next round where they play the 2-7 game and the 7-seed wins. Penn State hosts that one again. Like, do people go to those games? I doubt it. Um, at least not the first couple. Uh, you, actually, I mean, honestly, I didn't even go to the, the first George Mason game as a student, which I think was class-related. Um, but, yeah, no one's going to get hyped for the first round of the NIT. Nobody cares. Everyone's, everyone's already, like, freaking out about them not – being in the NCAA tournament picture anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly doubt that there's going to be a lot of people there. Now, you're right, though. If they kind of catch momentum and start, you know, make a run and go to New York City, now I don't think they're going to bus up 40 buses or whatever. But I do think, I mean, you saw the kind of the student section kind of rally around them here oh, yeah. down the stretch once they got relevant. So, um, you know, and they are an entertaining team to watch when they're playing well. Um, you know, we at Kempom, uh, on the athletic today, finally answered what I have always been wondering, just because dunk stats are not easily accessible. Um, Penn State had the fifth most dunks in the NCAA basketball this year, which I can guarantee you is the first time they probably ever finished in the top fifty in that stat. Um, so they're a fun basketball team. You know the athleticism's legit. You know they do have almost. 
I mean, I don't want to say NBA players because, you know, they're, they're not NBA guys yet, um, but definitely really talented players, elite college players. Um, so we'll see. But again, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a month from now. I, I was going to say, as someone who was at the Bryce Jordan Center uh, for the now famous 2014 CBI first round game against Hampton that Penn State won by four points. N- no, I don't think anyone's going to be going to that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, the NIT theoretically uh, will touch very closely on the future. Uh, y- you know, just what Penn State has in store. And Eric said before the podcast, if we're at like the 45 minute mark and we're talking about this to try and reel him in and we are at the 45 minute and 30 second mark. So we'll try and not go too terribly long on this, but the NIT theoretically, and I only say theoretically because we have proof within this exact basketball program that the NIT isn't always necessarily a springboard to uh, the NCAA tournament. But theoretically, the NIT is something that can act as a bit of a springboard Eric, I know you wanted to touch on after this season in the wake of the last couple of games for a little bit. So I'm uh, going to roll the ball out there and the floor is yours. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to get too into this just because I've, I've seen, you know, as we have seen with this team just recently, two weeks ago, everyone was super, oh, actually a month ago, everyone was wanted Chambers fired. Two weeks ago, everyone was super thrilled about this potential Tony run. Week later, here we are again. People want Coach Chambers fired again. Um, so I'm at least going to see how they finish here, uh, especially without Watkins. If they flame out, uh, you know, then I think there, I think there's got to be some uh, honest conversations about kind of where the program is now and where it can still go and how sustainable is it. Um, you know, because if you if you talk about the recruiting class, obviously that we've been waiting for for so long, you know they're finishing their second season here, um, and they're they're pretty likely not going to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, uh, it really is like Big Ten tournament win or bust. Um, so, so yeah, so that's that's kind of like you know this was supposed to be quote unquote the year that they got to the tournament in the timeline of where these guys are at in their career, where the program's at. And, and then the whole hope of that was they would be able to use a tournament bid this year to go into the offseason on a high note, to have a lot of momentum that they could take to the recruiting um, trail. Because this summer is going to be another huge recruiting um, year for whoever's the coach because um, the current guys are all going to be upperclassmen next year. You know, Reeves is a senior next year. Watkins is a 24-year-old junior next year. Um, if he comes back, Tony Carr's, um, you know, everyone's already talking about, is Tony Carr going to go to the NBA? Uh, if he does come back for next year, which I think he does, um, you know, do we think he's going to come back for two more years? No, I, I, I think that's kind of a silly position to take if, if, if he's already flirting with the NBA now. Um, and, then, and then you got Lamar. So it's like, you know, their window of opportunity was kind of, it's already shrinking now next year obviously if everyone comes back you have a great shot of being legit like everyone wants to talk about making the tournament making the tournament frankly that's like the bare minimum expectation for next year's team like they they absolutely should make the tournament um you know they're going to be top 25 in in ken palm now obviously they're not gonna be 20, top 25 in the polls because they're penn state and nobody's gonna get that excited about this penn state team for next year but if all four guys come back and they return over 80% of their production um, and they add, honestly, Miles Dredd and Rasir Bolton, who I, I think those two guys, uh, whether people want to get caught up in the rankings or not, I think those two guys are clearly Chambers' fifth and sixth best recruits right after the core four with Carr, Stevens, Watkins, and Reeves. Um, I think those two kids are going to be really good. They're going to be day one players. They're going to contribute being the rotation. And that's their backcourt of the future. I think you're uh, forgetting somebody there. Tolu! Oh, we're not going on to Daniil. <laughs> we already talked about him last podcast. He had his time. But yeah, he's, he's, but honestly, though, he is another guy in the, in the picture that could also produce. But at the same time, though, you know, they, they need bigs. Um, you know, if, like I said, we, we, we talked about it earlier, Lincoln was terrible. If they end the season like this and the bigs can't give anything, 
Um, that's going to be a huge concern going into this offseason. How are they going to find any depth for Mike Watkins, assuming Mike Watkins comes back? And if Mike Watkins doesn't come back, then where's the program? Because that would be pretty disastrous. So, um, you know, I want to have this conversation with Dan and have it more open after the season, um, assuming that it's going to end the way we kind of have always thought it was going to end because for a while there, I mean, after Penn State got so far behind the eight ball early in the season because of how terrible the schedule was, it was looking like this team's going to be pretty good, but they're not going to make the tournament. Um, And that's kind of exactly where we're headed. Like, I've been thinking about that. Like, if you came up to me after Penn State lost to Northwestern and they were 13-8 and and 3-5, and but worse than that, they just didn't, look like a basketball team that was particularly um, in, engaged might be the word I was thinking of. If you came at, up to me after that and said, I guarantee this team makes the NIT, I think I would have been kind of stoked about that. Uh, I understand that the the schedule had a number of winnable games on it, like uh, Rutgers, Iowa, and Illinois, but when I go back and I think of some of the stuff that we were saying, some of the stuff we were reading, uh, what we were saying on the podcast, stuff like that, and I think what would I have been excited with when this team was 13 and 8 and 3 and 5 and looking like they were just a bunch of lost guys trying to get to the end of the season and it didn't look like Josh Reeves was coming back and all these things, I would have been ecstatic for the NIT. And I understand that loses, that there's a lot of context that has to be added to that after. But at that time, I mean, this would have been going to the NIT would have been as good of an outcome as I would have expected at that point before, uh, you know, they had that run where they won six or seven games or whatever. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I, I think right now you're right. Like their turnaround in the middle of the year obviously saved Chambers job. I think, I think all of us are in agreement that, um, there's really no, there's been no indication that Sandy Barber is going to make a change. Um, you know, she's always said that her, whenever she's been pressed to answer the question, she's just said she's looking for progress in the Big Ten, and they did do that. Um, you know, nine to nine is not a common Big Ten record for this program. You know, obviously, critics will say the Big Ten was terrible. That's not wrong, um, but I don't know. It's, it's I expect Chambers to be back, but I, I do think. If this season ends the way we think it's going to end um, without Watkins, I think there's definitely an honest conversation to be had to look at both sides of Chambers in, in his future and this program's future because um, this program has always fluctuated between historically bad and average bad. They've never been average. And right now, they're average. You know, Making the NIT is an average college basketball team. Um, so it's kind of a critical juncture here. Where does the program go? Cause whichever way they go, um, like in both scenarios, they could bring chambers back and head straight to the bottom or they could fire chambers and go head straight to the bottom. Um, so, you know, we, we've been waiting impatiently waiting for this talent to arrive and to see it blossom and to hopefully put this program on the map that hasn't happened in two years so it's kind of just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very interesting topic, and it's one that I expect that we can have um, in-depthly as soon as the season ends. Next time on the RLR Hoops podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a, I, I would not mind if, Chad, you wanted to do a next time segment right now, like we are a uh, sitcom in the 80s. No, no, that was my best uh, voiceover shot there, so. Uh, all right, I, I was hoping you would take that. In a, this is the one time in these podcasts. Well, no, we missed Dan plenty of times, but these are especially the times because Dan would have just gone off on like a five-minute, just unscripted thing that would have been completely deranged but lovable. Uh, but yeah, I is there anything else that y'all want to add or talk about or anything like that before we wrap this one up? Yeah, I think I'm good. No, let's just hope that they uh, let's hope they don't completely crash and burn here and they beat Northwestern on Thursday. Yeah. And if that happens, be sure to, uh, well, no matter what happens, because we're going to, I don't think when Penn State loses in New York, they're done playing basketball in the year, which is a very, 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 very fun thing to say, even if it's not as fun as it might have been 
you know, two weeks ago when it looked like we might be dealing with a team that can make the NCAA tournament. But for now, uh, let's just hope Penn State's able to go out. They're able to take care of business against uh, take care of business against Northwestern on Thursday at 6:30, and then at that point, who knows? Let's hope for the best. Uh, not even plan for the worst because if the worst happens, who cares? Uh, yeah, is Pitt, I have a question. Is Pitt going to go 0 and 18? Ooh, Hell yeah. 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 They play next? Notre Dame on the road. Oh, and oh, I think done. I think Bonzi's back. Bonzi is back. Yeah, they're done. So Pitt's <laughs> at 236 in Ken Palm right now. They're gonna. Uh, they got. They got to fire Stallings. Don't that's they? All, Do they? I was about to say. Like, I mean, I they know it's to. only his second year. Oh, and eighteen. But yeah, that program. I mean, honestly, everyone knew they were gonna be so bad. But oh, and eighteen. Oh, and eighteen. Yeah. ACC's tough. It is still zero yes. and eighteen. Yes. Oh, and eighteen, and I'm looking through their schedule, and it's not even like. You know I mean, Georgia's yeah. Georgia Tech lost to Grambling, so come on, well, you got to be able to beat like. I was going to say, like, at least in Pat's worst years, the team was annoying. It was a pain in the ass. It was tough. It was having be a top five team. It would, you know, it would even if it wasn't picking up consistent wins, it would be really close. They've had it looks like one conference game, two conference games that weren't double-digit losses. They were both home, uh, one against NC State and one against Syracuse. So, yeah. Uh, where would yeah, look at- it, bring, it brings me a lot of joy that we were one of their like, worst like, oh, three or four drag. losses by margin yes. of victory. That's yeah. nice to, to have. At least. Yeah, we had the best average margin against them, which this is something that I, This is honestly, I think, the most exciting or the most interesting data on Bart Torvik's um, analytics site is his game scores and his average deficits that he, he posts for every game. Um, Penn State definitely had the highest average lead against Pitt um, during their blowout. But um, if you actually like just look through it, though, they've been blowed out so many times. <laughs> they've only, there's only one game where they actually averaged the lead, which is the NC State game. Um, which So they've only had one meltdown where they choked. Everything else, they've just been soundly beaten. Single-digit point half in, against Virginia last week. Oh, that last was weekend. amazing. I mean, yep. Penn, Penn real, State real has quick, been... T- I'm t- time out. I'm sorry. Who is... We need to find out who runs social media for the Pitt basketball team and thought it would be a good idea to tweet out a graphic that involved the number seven for how many points they scored in a half. <laughs> because, oh my... Like, come on, guys. It looked like a football score. Yeah. Yeah. It, but, um... Uh, I'm, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just pulled up Ken Palm's, uh, his win probability graph for that game, and oh my god, it is amazing. I, this is yeah, it's a flat points. line. It's not, yeah. it, it starts with Virginia at a 95.8% chance to win, and <laughs> at the tip, and that's as low as it got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In terms of yeah. excitement and tension. Excitement, this was Ken Palm's number 4,876 game of the year. Tension, it was its 4,621st game of the year. This is, oh my god, this is awesome. I All never I'm saying is, this. Penn State has been awful in the Big Ten for 20-some years, and they never went winless in the conference. Yeah. I have seen some horrendous Penn State basketball teams. And even they managed to win one conference game. So, yeah. And yet, I, and one more thing about Pitt. And yet, you know, they're two thirty six in Kempom. Uh, remember, <laughs> remember Rutgers in twenty sixteen? Oh. They were two seventy nine. The be- <laughs> they were two seventy nine and fell out of the top three hundred at one point. I miss you, Eddie Jordan. I miss you bad. Eddie Jordan. We he really was as special of an athlete, of a coach as I think we'll ever see because he mixed not caring with being a bad coach just incredibly well. And I would be very happy if uh, Steve Peichel just left because I, I like him and I would very much prefer it if he wasn't there for very much longer. Give me a second. I have to look up this. Okay. So that Rutgers team, I always forget that their one win was against a Minnesota team that I believe won two conference games. Hell it yeah. was their final that game was of the year. Awesome game. Oh, they went into that game. Minnesota was number one ninety two in Ken Palm. Uh, Rutgers. Rutgers was number three hundred and seven, 
And after that win, they jumped up to 290. And after they lost by Nebraska to 15 in the Big Ten tournament, they jumped up to 279. <laughs> because they were so bad that a 15-point loss to Nebraska, one in which they allowed 89 points, allowed them room to grow. Oh, just... Uh, I love horrible college basketball. It's, it's my favorite. So the thing, folks, w- that we're trying to say is that while this Penn State season may not have ended, the regular season may not have ended the way that we all wanted it to, it could always be so much worse because we could be 2016 Rutgers or this year's Pitt team. And on that note, uh, we're ending the podcast now. Goodbye.